So we begin this six-week Bible study on living free of anxiety and fear in our life. Anxiety and fear are two great obstacles to our life. They certainly can prohibit us from arriving at the sense of well-being and peace that are so much a part of what we desire for in life. When we know when we're filled with anxiousness, when we're filled with fear, it's so easy for us to become, as it were, torn or divided in different mind and heart. Uh, we feel like we're going in different places, not focused and not really accomplishing anything. We also know that anxiety and fear can weigh heavy upon our hearts and lives and can affect our physical and mental health, affects our relationships. So we're going to talk about in this series, how do we live free of anxiety and fear? We're looking at the scriptures for this. So our first passage of scripture we're going to look at is Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we're looking at verses 4 through 8 today. Um, Paul writes his letter to the Philippians. It's a letter that he wrote uh, while he was in prison. And he wrote uh, it's uh, with the whole understanding that he would be able to build up the life of the Philippian community. And he knew what, how they were dealing with their own anxieties and struggles as well. Uh, Paul uh, writes his letter to acknowledge the gift that was sent by the Philippians. Uh, they supported his ministry. It was a financial gift. He also wrote his letter to deal with a spirit of unity and steadfastness in the community, for there was some division there. He also uh, wrote a letter to also help the uh, Philippians be able to live in a spirit of joy and peace in the midst of a lot of, uh, at times, persecution, a, a lot of times of tension with the world around them. So he writes his letter during his first imprisonment from in Rome, about A.D. 61, uh, so let's begin, let's pick it up with Philippians chapter 4, uh, looking first of all at uh, verse 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is low, lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So, Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Joy uh, is it's a command he makes to the Christians at Philippi. Rejoice. Rejoice no matter what the circumstances are. Rejoice. Uh, the, the, the thought that Paul puts forth here is a, is a command that they will rise up in the situation they're facing and no matter what it is and express a joy. What is the joy he's talking about? What is the rejoicing? It's a, it's a confidence in the Lord. It's a confidence in who the Lord is. It's a confidence in who we are to him as sons and daughters. It's a confidence in his power, his wisdom, his love for his people. Joy springs forth not from an emotional state within me or from simply trying to maintain an optimistic way of thinking, but rather joy springs forth from knowing the Lord, from knowing his, the attributes of the Lord, the character of the Lord, the promises of the Lord he makes to his people, the covenant he's formed with us through the blood and sacrifice of his son Jesus. So for Paul, rejoicing in the Lord always is flows out of our relationship to the Lord and who the Lord is for us. So knowing the Lord 
getting to know him, getting to read his scriptures, to study his word, getting to pray each day, opening our hearts and minds to the living knowledge of who he is, is so important for us to maintain a spirit of joy no matter what the circumstances are. Then Paul says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The word gentle is implies a uh, a reasonable, forbearing, moderate. Uh, another translation talks about forbearance, has to do with uh, the opposite of that is harsh or abrasive or sarcastic or cruel or contentious. Uh, how easy it is, of course, for um, us in circumstances that are not favorable, that are tense-filled, that are uh, uncertain for us to be harsh and abrasive. But Paul says, let your gentleness, let your forbearance be evident to all. Uh, a very key word that flows out of confidence in the Lord. We can be gentle. We can be forbearing because of who the Lord is. And then he says, the Lord is near. Now, in one sense, this refers to the second coming of Christ. It refers to the Lord returning. But in another sense, it means the Lord is near to his people. The Lord is not someone who is distant or has a uh, ear turned away from his people, but rather he is close to his people. He hears the cries of his people. He he wants to be in our midst. He's, Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'll be with you always into the end of the world. So Paul is appealing to the truth that the Lord is with his people. For Christians who have been baptized into the life of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in them, and therefore the Holy Spirit is dwelling in them, so the Lord is near them. So a lot of times we say, well, you know, God is distant or remote or far away from us, but the truth of the matter is he's near us closer than our next breath that we take. He hears the cry of his people. He hears the plea of his people. Then he goes on in verse 6 to say, do not be anxious about anything, but in, uh, let's just take a look at that first, do not be anxious about anything. This is a commandment of, of, of Paul he makes, the word for anxiousness is worry. It means to divide into parts. It means a distraction or a preoccupation with things in such a way that it causes anxiety and stress and pressure. Um, anxiety um, is something that it's like being in two minds. Uh, we're just not, uh, we just are not focused. We're like going in two different directions. Uh, we feel torn. Uh, and that anxiousness brings a pressure to it, uh, a pressure that can apply to our mental and physical well-being as well as our spiritual health. So don't, do not be anxious about anything. It seems over the top. It seems like it's impossible because anxiety is something that we deal with so frequently in life. But again, Paul is the context he's writing this letter in exhortation is that who the Lord is for us. And then he says, what's the solution to anxiousness? He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your needs before him. So when we think about that for just a moment, um, what, we're thinking, what we're seeing here is that prayer is the answer to anxiousness. At the heart of anxiousness and worry and fear is a spiritual problem, and which needs a spiritual solution. So a lot of times, uh, 
you know, we're exhorted uh, in our culture today that when we're faced with anxiousness to think positive thoughts, to think optimistic thoughts, uh, to think of good things. Um, and they, that can all be very helpful, but it's more than just simply a, a mental thinking issue. It's a spiritual issue that requires a spiritual solution. So what does Paul say? But in every situation, every situation. So that means when the situation is not favorable, when a situation is favorable, when the situation is challenging or uncertain, uh, in every situation, we're by prayer and petition, or another version says supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. By prayer and petition. The implication here of prayer and petition is um, is calling out to the Lord, is seeking Him, turning to Him, presenting our needs before Him. I've met people over the years who have said that they don't ask God for anything. Um, you know, so well, I've met other people who say they don't ask God for the small things in life. They just simply wait for the big things to come along, and then they talk to God. Uh, but uh, Paul is saying here something quite different. He's saying uh, in every situation— by prayer and petition, by prayer and supplication. The, the word for petition or supplication is an intensity of earnestness. It's a, an extended prayer. It's, a, um, it's, a, it's not measured by many words. It's measured by the intensity of the heart, turning to the Lord and seeking the Lord and calling out to Him. It's a transfer of the burden of the soul into God's hands. Um, Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer give, uh, to pray to the Father and say, give us this day our daily bread. So clearly the Lord wants us to ask uh, and to petition in every situation an earnestness that comes from the heart. It's not so much in the multiplication of words as it is in the earnestness of our heart to cry out to him. And with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Certainly with the word thanksgiving, Eucharistic in the Greek, it implies a kind of Eucharistic understanding of giving thanks and giving praise to the Lord. Uh, here the point is that we give thanks, we give praise to the Lord uh, for um, who he is and what he's promised us. So um, we know this with a good friend, right? If we ask a good friend, would you please do this for me? And they say, sure. What do we say? We say, thank you for taking care of that for me. They haven't done it yet, but you, you thank them nonetheless. You thank them because you have confidence in your friend. Because you know your friend, You've, your friend is faithful, your friend is trustworthy, and uh, you have confidence he'll take care of it. That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying you can rejoice in the Lord, you can present your needs before him, you can unburden your soul to him, you can have an earnestness of, of crying out or prayer to him uh, because with thanksgiving because the Lord is faithful, he has a covenant relationship with you, you're his son or daughter, he's your father. He wants to answer your prayer. He wants to, he's near you. He wants to engage you in this life circumstance that you're going through, no matter how challenging it is. Um, so you can do this. You can take your prayers before him. You can have confidence in him, knowing that he will answer you and he will be involved in the situation. Then Paul says, in the peace of God, this is verse 7, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The word for guard there is like is a military term referring to the military. Uh, it's a military picture of a sentry standing guard to protect you or protects uh, someone from the enemy. Here Paul is saying that God's power and his peace, which transcends understanding, is going to guard your heart. It's going to be like a sentry around your heart and around your mind. It's, and, and these, 
His power and his peace are two precious gifts by which he wants to surround our heart with and protect us in this time. The word for peace is a sense of well-being, uh, a sense of um, uh, free of uh, conflict, uh, free of turmoil, uh, free of fear, of anxiousness. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, what is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, what is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Uh, to think about these things implies a sense of um, a focus of our hearts and minds upon the, the character of the Lord. So let's take a look at some of this noble, what's worthy of respect, what's dignified, um, what is uh, uh, what is pure, is holy and clean, uh, without blemish. Uh, what's admirable uh, or lovely uh, here it implies a sense of speech that is gracious. So it's a speech that uh, doesn't have ill words in it. Um, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So our words are to be filled with graciousness. And then Paul goes on to say, whatever excellent or praiseworthy implies the goodness of the Lord, implies uh, the, the deeds of the Lord. So we're to speak of the deeds and of the Lord which reflect his graciousness. So look at your own life and see how the Lord has answered prayer, how he's acted in your life. Look at the lives of others and see how he's acted in the lives of people. Um, Look at stories of the scriptures and see how the Lord has acted there. Look at the stories of church history and see how the Lord has acted in situations and men and women's lives and has intervened. And Paul is saying these things we're to be thinking about because they will stir in our hearts a sense of praise and of worship of the Lord and reflection on the goodness and the graciousness of the Lord by reflecting on the wondrous deeds he has done in the past, that he will do those same things things again today. So rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Why can we rejoice? Because of the Lord who wants to do marvelous and great deeds in our situations that we're facing in our life. We don't need to to give our hearts over to anxiousness and fear because of who the Lord is for us, that he is a mighty God. He is full of love for his people and full of mercy and power. We can turn to him with confidence in his love for us. We can turn to him with confidence in his being near us and acting in our circumstance. And wherever there is skepticism or doubt in our hearts, anxiousness or fear or patterns of sin, we can turn away from that and turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. So, Lord, thank you today for who you are to us, a God who loves us, who's faithful to us, and will act in our circumstances. Act now so we may give glory to your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.